Welcome back to Sworn Testimonies, a podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today, I sit down with Danielle Calvillo. A tragic car accident left her in a coma for more than a month and a half. Keep listening to hear more of Danielle's story. Just be honest, 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 just be real, just be true, it's the only way to be free. Okay, Danielle, so tell me about your accident. What happened? Okay, um, so I was 18 years old, and at this time in my life, I was working at a Royal Chop House, which is a steakhouse in Pasadena, a very wealthy, expensive steakhouse. Anyhow, I was coming home from work, and I had a 63 Volkswagen Bug that me and my brother shared in high school. So I was a senior in high school, and as I was coming home, I lived in Eagle Rock, so I was coming off the Colorado Figueroa exit. And that's where this accident happened. As I was exiting the freeway, this guy was coming off the freeway, and he was going like 95 miles an hour, and he hit me right on the driver's side. I flew out of the car 150 feet. And so uh, this was totally God how everything happened because a friend of the family was coming home from a prayer meeting that his coworker had invited him to. So he was coming home right as I got in the accident. He was coming home from the prayer meeting. And I just feel like God was there the whole time because he was coming home and he seen the accident. Then he called his wife. His wife called my parents like at 1230 at night. And it was my sister's friend's stepdad. And then he noticed it was my car. So he called his wife, got my parents' number, called them. I got 1239, told my dad like what was going on, and my parents just came straight to the accident. We, we lived on Delia and Eagle Rock, and this happened right off the exit. We didn't live too far from three, maybe three, three blocks. And my older brother, Anthony, was waiting for me at the end of the driveway. I was going to pick him up and drop him off at a party because we shared the bug. And he heard the fire department go by, and Anthony's like, it's Danielle, huh? My dad's just like, get in the effing car. And um, we got in the car, they came to the scene of the accident and there was cops on the entrance and exit saying, no, being come on or get off, we've been a terrible car accident. And my dad was just saying, I know that's my daughter. I got the call, they didn't want my dad to come through because I was closing up in a fetal position, I was already dying. And they didn't want my dad to see me. So my dad had to fight through the cops and he got through and it was just very hard. Like he tells me, like everything I'm saying to has been told to me. It's not that I necessarily remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad just said he came to the scene and my mom said he just wigged out, flipped out, and he was just crying uncontrollably. He called my grandma, his mom, and just was saying what happened. Like we needed prayers and this and that. My mom had just said, you know, Dave, if this is what God wants, this is what he wants. And the CHP was ready to close me up in a, in a bag. But Sergio, the guy that found me, said that I kept jerking my arm around over and over and, like, to help me, to work on me. And um, they're like, no, she's dead. My heart stopped beating for 45 seconds. Where, where was this that your heart this stopped This was beating? on the freeway, on, on the, the exit, freeway. When, the, when the cops came in mm-hmm. to the scene. The CHP got there. And they were just ready to bag me up. And Sergio kept saying that I kept jerking my arm around. 
over and over and he kept telling the CHP like work on her work on her and so they started to and then ends up being my uncle as a captain of the fire department so they thought they thought something happened to him but it was me because the last name pulls up and then they took me to Huntington Hospital and then I was in a coma for like a month and a half and I had to relearn everything the doctor had said like I was gonna be a vegetable for the rest of my life I wasn't gonna remember things just so much like they had came to the point where they asked my parents oh do you want us to pull the plug so you know I come from a big family so we had a lot of family coming I had a lot of friends people coming at Huntington Hospital and my mom just had so many people coming and praying for me from church we went to Christian Assembly and my grandma they went to St. Dominic's we just had a lot of people just praying the power of prayer is just very amazing and powerful so I ended up, the, the doctor was like asking my parents, like, do you want us to pull the plug? Like, I don't know if she's gonna, she be vegetable for the rest of her life. And they did. And my mom just said I was just going crazy. They pulled the plug? They, they did pull the plug. Wow. Yeah. And I just woke up and I went nuts. I'm also banging my hands on the wall, screaming, crying. I had a catheter in me. I had my lungs collapsed, I had scars inside of my breast. I pulled everything off of me. And they wanted to put me in a straight jacket. My dad said I was just going nuts. And um, my dad's like, no, I'm going to stay here with her. So they didn't put me in a straight jacket to hold me down. My dad just held me down. But my mom said, they're always like, I love reggae. I love all this music. So my friends had all this music going on. But as soon as my mom had, my mom had told them beforehand, like, turn it off. And she just put on worship music from, from Tommy Walker, Christian Assembly. And then she said, I just, like, stopped going crazy and I just was singing all these worship songs and like tears were flowing out of my eyes. Mm. And I don't even remember this. This is my mom has told me this. Mm. So then over time they took me out of the ICU. I was in the ICU for about a month and a half. And they took me to like a hospital room at Huntington Hospital and I had like the biggest room. It was probably even bigger than this because I have such a big family. They gave me a big room. And I just had like 15 therapists at the hospital. I had to relearn everything, how to walk, talk, read, write. I was in a wheelchair for like about three months. I, I had like the biggest bruise on my right leg and I just, I lost so much weight. I only weighed 90 pounds at the hospital and they're like, you have to gain weight to leave the hospital. And um, it was just a lot. So I was there, I had one therapist you know, working with me with math, English, and whatnot. And then one had me in a harness walking up five floors at the hospital to relearn how to walk again. And um, I can even still recall my dad would come every day after work. I can still recall he'd always bring me the wheelchair, like, okay, Danielle, come on, get out of bed, let's go. He'd always take me around the hospital just to get out. But my therapist had taught me how to walk one day. So I'm like, no, dad, I don't need that. He's like, what? I got up out of the bed and I walked to him. And he just started bawling his eyes out like I was like a little girl walking again and my grandparents came I did the same thing my grandpa was crying my grandma like you know if I'm taking my first steps um I have a picture of it too <laughs> it was really cute and I was like so skinny just my pajamas <laughs> and um so then from there I mean there was a lot of other incidences too I can't remember so, everything so with that experience you know I think a lot of people talk about or have talked about having like near-death experiences and like what that was like for them. I think your situation is interesting because you don't really remember what happened. 
Um, right. Do you so you have no memories at all of being in a coma or anything? All of that Nothing. time's gone. Yeah, it's just the time is just completely gone. Like I feel like God just protected my mind because I haven't even dreamt about it. Wow. Like I have had dreams before where I just see like light, just light, and I'm like, is that? I don't know. It's just it's just like just all like beautiful, just light. And um, but I haven't had a dream about it. Never. Did you have a hard time, like, asking God, like, why me? Why am I still alive? Well, I did, like, in 2000, I had my accident July 11th of 2000. Like, after I got out of the rehab and stuff, I wasn't, I was always, my mom said, I, I was always smiling. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I went to the rehab. Like, they, at Costa Clean, my doctor highly recommended for me to, I mean, at Huntington Hospital, my doctor highly recommended for me to go to Costa Clean in Pomona. And I remember I was just like bawling my eyes out. I'm like, I don't want to go. I'm like, let me just go home. And that's the rehab center? Yeah, it's the rehab center. Yeah, here in Pomona. And my dad was like, no, Danielle, you have to go. The doctor is telling us that it's going to be good for you to go. And my insurance will take care of it. You're going. And I was like crying. I didn't want to go. So I went. I did go. And I was like, I didn't, it's like I didn't really want to be there. But then I was, was like, you know, there's so many people here that are damaged for the rest of their life just through accidents like I've been through. Like they have plaques on their side of the head, they have feeding tubes, they're in wheelchairs, they're stuck, and I'm just like, I thank God every day that I'm able to walk, talk, read, write. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if I was fully understanding where I was at. Mm -hmm. Like the rehab, I had it, I didn't know the difference between hot and cold, so they had like a, a kitchen where you can, I had to like do all the sensory, like everything. So, there was times, yes, I did ask God, like, why did this happen to me? Like, what's going on? But it's like, I couldn't, I, I had TBI, traumatic brain injury, so I couldn't remember things day to day. So I can't really say that I could remember an answer or even, I was just always constantly rehabbing, doing things for myself mm -hmm. that I didn't really focus on an answer. Mm -hmm. I don't think like where I'm at now, I was there when I had my accident. I was only so 18. So you were more focused on just getting, getting better, better, getting healthier. Getting healthy. Mm -hmm. and and I, yeah. yeah, and especially seeing the other people that were at the rehab, like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I thank God every day, like, that I'm walking, talking, reading, writing. And it wasn't that great. I couldn't even speak. Like, my words, there were words I couldn't even talk because I didn't know how to, I didn't know. Sitting here with you now, it's so interesting because, like, I hear you telling your story, but you walk, you talk, you laugh, you smile, you're beautiful. Like, I would never know that anything happened. Yeah, and you know, and I hear that a lot from people. I really do. Like, even now that I'm still doing my rehab, I tell people, like, what happened to you? <laughs> but it's like, this happened when I was 18, I'm 37 now. And, yeah, it, like, I just thank God every day. I feel like he just fully protected me, but it was, like, really bad. Like, I have, they took out my spleen, I broke forward and pelvic bone. I was scarred on the side of my breast because I had feeding tubes in me. Like scar here on my by my veins and my hand because I couldn't see my, my pulse. Stitches in my head. Like it was really traumatic. How have you how have you changed since the accident? Well, since the accident, I feel that um, you know, I was already going to church and whatnot during that time, like in youth group and all that with the church, but I feel like I've gotten closer 
with the Lord. Mm. Like, I know God has me here for something. And I really feel that he has me here to let people know that he's real. Mm. <laughs> like, he is real. Like, I've told a lot of people, not a lot, like, just randomly, like, if it just comes up, like, oh, where'd you get that scar from? Or how, like, when I have talked to people, a lot of people don't believe. But then when I tell them my story, it's like, it's a real testimony. And it's not about me. It's what God has done for me. And, like, I've always had a kind heart, but I think I have, like, an even kinder heart now towards other people and their situations because I understand because I've been through so much recovery myself. And um, I never was on any medication. My mom didn't want me to take any medication at 18. She didn't want me to be, um, what's the word? To, like, depend on it. Mm -hmm. So now, as I'm 37, I just got on medication probably, like, two years ago. Just in case I have, I have a seizure or any um, episodes that it would just calm it down or uh, like, um, yeah, just that right now. And I'm going to school. Which is awesome. Yeah. I think one of the cool Which things is so about fun. you is that you're always so joyful. Like you always have like such a joyful spirit. Um, and, you know, we talk all the time about how people can be so upset and angry and frustrated mm. and life is hard we all go through things you know then I look at you and I'm like wow you're someone that went Same. through something so hard and so life-changing and you still manage to find joy so where does that come from you know um <laughs> that's a that's a great question <laughs> that's like you know I just every day I just like thank God every day that I'm able to walk talk read write so I'm like they're like, what do I have to be angry about? Mm -hmm. So I just I just try to show joy as much as I can mm -hmm. all the time. And not that I really even think about it. It's just like it's just it's just natural. It just it's just like I don't know, it's just like it's just there. I think so God is like just Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I just I think because I feel like maybe I lost so much time in my recovery and this and that, so I'm like, oh, I feel like I lost so much. So I just try to do as much as I can. Cause maybe cause I lost that time, but then I don't really think about it like that. I just like I love to work. I love and like right now I'm not I'm on social security, so I just gotta keep myself busy. You know, I'm finishing school and um, what advice would you have for people who maybe have been through something really difficult, maybe not a near death experience, but just mm. maybe the death of a family member or the death of a relationship. Like what advice do you have for people who are trying to like get past that and find like hope and joy on the other side? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would just say like, you know, like in life, Everybody is going to pass. Mm -hmm. And however it does happen, it is, I mean, it is going to happen. Like, like I, they pronounced me dead at the accident, but... So they actually pronounced you dead. Yeah, my heart stopped beating for 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that's why my mom was like, Dave, is this how, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be, my dad was like, none of my kids are entitled for me. Like, you know, it was a thing. But it's like, you have to have the faith and not to say yes, and things do happen. Try, you know, try to make the best out of it, out of whatever situation does happen, because God has a plan. Mm -hmm. And 
not to say that it's going to be your plan or it's in your timing. It's all in God's timing. And um, I know it. Of course, you're going to go through so much pain, anxiety, stress, like just everything. I went through all. I gone through every emotion you could think of. But I always would go to church because that's like the truth that helped me overcome and just worship, just worship songs and just. It just really has helped me. And to always constantly just keep your mind active, actively doing things, so you're not just sitting around not doing things. I think that's what also brings you down. And the people you're around are just... Because I, for so long, I had to just focus on myself and get myself better. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have time to spend time with people. So I was just doing me. So it was really just like me and God. Like, were, were your friends and family, like, supportive of you during that time? Like, Gosh, that's a good question. You know, I was, after I left the hospital, I went to the Costa Clina, and I was, like, by myself. Like, my family did come here and there, like, to come visit. But like, my parents have five other kids, and I'm like, focus on them. It's not just me, you know? Because I think maybe at, sometimes I had too much attention, and... Mm-hmm. It was very aggravating, very irritating. It's like for you, it was aggravating. Yeah, I would because like treat me like I was a little kid. Mm. Like when I came home, like I couldn't do anything for like a year and a half. My dad never let me out of the house. I'm like, Dad, and at the time he was drinking too, and you know he just went through like almost losing his daughter, so he was drinking more and just it was a lot to like come home to that. And not to say that he wasn't supportive, but he would just get angry. Not angry to, with me, but just angry about the whole situation, just his life. Yeah. And which did like bring me down at times, but I'm like, no, I gotta, I am, God, I'm here for a reason. Like, I can't let this bring me down. I don't know the reason, but I'm here. And so I didn't know until like late, a couple years later, I'm like, God has me here to let people know that he's real. Because so many times I would talk with people and they're like, no one believed it. And I had to show them because they're like, I would never even think that you went through all that. So all with all of the scars that you do have, um, yes. I know you showed me a few of them. Mm-hmm. Do you are you still insecure about those? Oh no, no, not anymore. Like I was insecure, like I was telling you before, I was. But now I'm like, no, these are scars from God. Mm. Like people are go, like, oh, do you have a tattoo? I'm like, yeah, I have tattoos from God, like real tattoos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and and these were so painful. They were even probably more painful than a tattoo. And um, I just kind of joke about that sometimes. <laughs> but um, there's a reason and a purpose. Like, and I and I have been told, like, when I went back to the Chop House, it's a very wealthy restaurant. People have money. This one lady was like, oh, my gosh, because I was a hostess there, and I always dressed up and everything. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry you got those tattoos or those scars. Like, you can, you can always get those taken off. Like, don't worry. You can get plastic surgery to get them taken off so you can be back to beautiful Danielle. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't want to take these off. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with them? Then that's when I started thinking different about them. Yeah, of course, I was so insecure. I was very, so many emotions going on. But I'm like, no, I started really appreciating it because I really started thinking more about it. And that's when I just saw the world totally different. Mm-hmm. Like when I was at the rehab and just people, how greedy, how people just don't appreciate nothing. Like, because the chop house had so much money and I was like really angry. The year 2000, like I pretty much hated the world, but it had nothing to do with them. It was just because I had to get back myself 
And I think that's why my parents never let my dad, never let me out of the house because my dad was like, I don't want people to take advantage of you, be using you. Like you're such a nice person, Danielle, and like you're so gullible. And I'm like, Dad, if I'm not out of the house, I'm never gonna learn. Mm-hmm. You can't just keep me here, locked up. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't at first. Then I went to school. I went to Glendale College, and um, I was just taking classes just to get my brain back to normal high school level. And that was like a challenge. Like, I'm still going to school now. That was a big challenge. So what are your hopes for the future? Hmm. Gosh, yeah. My hopes and dreams for the future are, yes, to get married, have kids. I do want to have kids. But I'm 47. I'm 47. I'm 37. <laughs> Don't age yourself. I know. <laughs> I'm at 37. But I'm just, I'm just a little... Um, Cause I have like a really tight, like a malformation in my calf, so I'm a little just nervous about that. Like if I gain weight, like I'm already have so much pain at nighttime when I'm sleeping, it's just like oh, excruciating pain. I'm doing therapy for that now, but that had nothing to do with my accident. I was born like that. I'm still I'm seeing a specialist on right now on it, but I also broke four ribs and pelvic bone, so I'm a little like when you get pregnant, your ribs expand, like a lot of things go on in your stomach, so I'm just a little. I don't know, I guess maybe hesitant about that. But it's like, you know, if it's supposed to happen, God, everything's going to happen fine. If it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. That's right. That's right. But I need to get married first. (laughs) I mean, that's what I want. And adoption is always it. Do you adopt? Is that... I think, you know, I wasn't, I didn't share that with you, but I work with the kids at church and this lady, her and her husband just adopted this girl from China. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I love her. I get to babysit her and she just has the best personality Oh, I was just with her last week, and then when her dad gave her to me, like, she did not want me to put her down. Like, I was holding her, and I'm just, like, okay, trying to get her to interact with the kids, and I went to set her down, and she's bawling her eyes out. Like, she's screaming. She's holding me so tight, and she's, like, ah, she didn't want me to put her down, and I'm, like, oh, my gosh. She was so attached to me. I'm, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so attached to you. Like, I just love her little personality. I'm, like, oh, my gosh, I get like that, too, <laughs> and she just started playing. Oh. So I'm like, yeah, I can always adopt, too. <laughs> so that was, of course, things that did cross my mind. So, you know, I guess being 37 and probably watching, like, friends and family mm. get married and have kids mm-hmm. and move forward, and you have this whole just crazy testimony that you've experienced and a lot of things that you're still waiting for. Do you ever feel, like, lonely? Um, yeah, at, maybe at sometimes. Sometimes I do, but I'm so like involved with my family, mm-hmm. and my sister has five kids, so I'm really involved with her. But still, I'm like, I want my own, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know. And I'm so I'm just trying to finish school. I only have, I'm almost done with my AA, but then, um, yeah, I wanted to get married. Like I thought, of course, I was just just a friend had reached out from high school, and he's like, yeah, I thought you'd be married with kids right now. I'm like, yeah, I thought so too, but God had a different plan. For my life, but I do. Yeah, I do at times, of course. But and I just want to make sure it's right. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's the hardest part. <laughs> right. And I love that even, you know, I think for most of us, there's something that we're waiting for. 
whether it's marriage or kids or a job or situation or health issue, like we're always in this waiting phase for something. Mm -hmm. And then even when you get the thing you're waiting for, then it's a new thing that you're waiting for. Right. Right. Like it's always (laughs) something. Yeah. And it's how we use our time in that in between, I think is so important. Um, yes. So I love that even now that you spend so much time giving and serving and just like using your time to like love on other people. It's so special mm-hmm. because so many people don't do that. They have all the things that they prayed for. You know, they're like, God, I want a house. I want kids. And they get all those things. And then they still don't ever use their time to like give back to other people or to love on other people. So it's really special that you do that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes. I, you know, I do. And I try like I. I um I served yeah at, at church with the fourth and fifth graders and then the nursery like I just kids really just bring me so much joy I just love being around them and my sister like has five kids my niece and nephew so I try like they go to school right now at my house they're with me all the time I help them with homework like I do everything you know I can because right now I'm not I'm currently not working I'm on social security but it's like I am busy like all the time yeah because I go to the doctor's office or I have my school or this like my therapy like it's like I'm busy every day I have the kids over so I think that's what preoccupies me throughout my life but then at the end of the night I'm like okay I'm sleeping in the room by myself (laughs) and I'm like all right that's what I want but I think it's all in God's timing yeah and um I want to ask too having your experience are you afraid of death are you afraid of dying You know, I don't, personally, like, to be honest with you, I kind of feel like I'm not really scared of anything mm. now because I've already been through so much. I'm like, okay, what, bring it on. But what, what, what are you going to show me, like, that I haven't experienced? That's beauty on the other <laughs> side of tragedy, right? Like, right, yeah. No fear. Sometimes it takes, and not to say that, like, your accident was supposed to happen, like sometimes terrible things happen and we don't know why mm-hmm. um, but sometimes going through terrible things you know if, if it doesn't kill you it really does make you, make stronger. you stronger yeah mm-hmm. and being able to live without fear that's amazing yeah it, it really it really is and, and you weren't afraid to drive no I was never even afraid to drive because I don't remember anything it's like God just totally protected my mind like I would just always wanted to drive I would just listen to music just driving like just always happy (laughs) like that's crazy I got in an accident last year and it wasn't dramatic at all Mm -hmm. um it's a car in front of me on the highway like stopped and I hit the back of the car and my Mm -hmm. car was I mean their car was fine everything was drivable and it looking back wasn't a big deal especially in comparison to like the accident you were in or accidents that so many people were in but I was Mm -hmm. so panicked and it super affected me for months. Wow. Like I was afraid to drive. I was Ubering everywhere. So the fact that you had an accident like that and you're just still so fearless, <laughs> it's yes. amazing to me. Yeah, but you know, I also feel like you remember the accident. Yeah. See, so that's why you have the, the fear or anxiety maybe or that you get from driving because you remember that that did happen to you. Like, I don't remember anything. And it's like, it's just like, I just feel like God just protected my mind all the way. Like, I've never, like, I do hear people, like, hear of people that have been in a coma and just, they go through these outer experiences or they feel these things. I'm like, 
I don't feel anything. Like, are you guys really telling the truth? <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, if that's truthful, because I was just out, so I don't remember so anything. So, was it like a deep sleep or what? That's what the what the doctor says. Like that, and I guess there are people that have their their heart has stopped, but and then it's like then they're alive. So I don't know if they if they did like the chest. Thing, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they probably did. I, I don't know. And then they took me to Huntington Hospital. I was in the ICU at Huntington Hospital, which is like the number one hospital in Pasadena that I hear. That's always they a tough good question. ICU. Yeah. Like, if, like, when do you pull the plug? You know, like, when do you fight? When do you say, okay, the heart stopped for? I mean, I'm sure there's like a medical, like, yeah, like a time. And you know, and to be honest with you. I do recall now, as I'm just speaking to you, I totally forgot about this. My mom did say it was a um, sedated or something coma, or it was, uh, I can't remember the exact terminology. Like, she knows more. You know, like, after my accident, I tried to ask my family, like, what happened? Like, tell me this and that. And she never, they didn't. She's like, Danielle, the kids were so young when this happened. I was 18. My younger brother was 8. She's like, it's hard for them to speak about it because it was so much for them. Yeah. I'm like, so much for them? Mom, <laughs> I'm asking you because I want to know. Yeah. So much for them, so much for me. Yeah. Like, why can't you? It's a, it was hard for them to, she, she, like, they never told me things. So little by little, sometimes she would say something. My mom, like, wrote all the stuff in her journal. And, like, a lot of people gave, gave me, like, cards and this and that. Like, she, my mom hasn't even given me all the cards yet from everybody. They had a car wash for me to help raise money in Eagle Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so they raised over $10,000 as a hospital for like six months. And I had to go to rehab for like another five months. And therapist at my house for two years. Um, but it's like, I just wanted to know. Oh, and to tell you. So, so they couldn't really discuss things with me. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard to me. That really actually made me very upset. Like the year in 2000, like it was hard for me to like, just trust or be out in the world because it's hard for me to like yeah trust people and and then dealing with what my dad didn't want me out and just a lot his drinking um and then oh recently like maybe i don't know five years ago four years ago the guy that found me sergio he had sent me a message on facebook he's like oh my gosh danielle how are you you know i haven't seen you for a long time and I just reached back to him, I'm like, oh my gosh, Sergio, I haven't even talked to you after my accident for 15 years. He was married, they ended up getting divorced, he was in Mexico now at this time, he remarried, he's like, how are, you, how are things going with you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Sergio, you were there right at the scene, you were right there when it happened. What exactly happened? Tell me everything. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yeah, I was coming home from the prayer meeting and we saw this guy just driving crazy on the freeway, he was drinking. and as we're exiting, then we see your accident. And I didn't know it was your car at first. Like, I, yeah, I would have helped anybody, but then then I realized it was your car, and I was like, oh, tell my, my, my coworker, like, oh, that's my homeboy's sister. Like, get out, we gotta help her. Then I called my wife, my wife called her parents, and he was just like, you know, you need to write a book. And I'm like, yeah, but Sergio, I don't even remember anything that I'm asking you. Wow. So <laughs> and, the other guy was drinking. The other guy was drinking, yeah. And so that's what he told me. He's like, the guy that hit you, he reeked like alcohol. Like, I don't even know why they didn't arrest him. Like, he got away with everything because his family, like lawyers, doctors, attorneys, all this, they all backed him up. 
and um, yeah, he got away with everything. So that's why my parents had the car wash for me to help pay for the hospital bills. And we didn't get the report to almost a year and a half after the accident. You only have statute of limitations. You only have a year to file. So, and the CHP was going to bag me up and then I found out my uncle's cabinet with the fire department. So it was just like a lot of, are you, a lot are of you things. angry at the person who hit you? Well, no, I'm not necessarily angry. When my grandpa was still alive, I lived with my grandma and grandpa for a little bit and um, for a couple years before they passed. But um, my grandpa had told me he went to a funeral and he said that he met the guy that hit me. And so he's like, do you want to meet him? I said, yeah, I told my dad that forever. I want to just meet him just to ask him, like, why did you try to help? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not angry with him because I know, like, accidents do happen. I'm sure he was, like, scared. He was wigged out. Like, like oh, my God, because I saw on the hospital report. He's like, oh, my gosh, I just killed this person. So he tried to leave. He tried to leave the scene. But my friend Sergio and his, and his friend, they held him there for the cops came, but nothing happened. So I told my dad, my grandpa, yes, I want to see him. That's crazy to me that nothing happened. Exactly. To me, too. This is what I've been told. So I have no no idea. My dad comes from a family of 12. So the youngest, my Uncle Mike, you know, bless his heart, he's passed. But he told me he's seen him at the bar, and he said he told me he beat the crap out of him. <laughs> but when my grandpa asked him if I want to meet him, he's like, oh, I'll bring him here to the house so you can meet him. And I'm like, yeah, but I want my dad to be there, too. So I called my dad and told my dad, and he's like, no, Danielle, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Because for what? What's the point? Like, why do you want to meet him? I said, because, Dad, just to, like, like, my grandma said, just to have closure. Like, just, it's like, how much money do you want from him? I'm like, no, it's not even about the money, Dad. I just want to meet him. If you had the opportunity to say something to him, mm -hmm. what would you say? I would just say... Like, why did you just try to leave? Like, why didn't you try to help? You know, and obviously I hear that you were drinking, so maybe you panicked, but still, like, I know when you are drinking some, yes, you can just black out, but then you also do know what's going on. I don't know. I just think I would just be like, how come you didn't try to help? But that, I mean, you know, that probably would kill him. My mom was always just like, you know, don't worry about it. God will get him throughout his life. So I just kind of, like, I was, like, I wasn't really angry at all about it until, like, recently, as years went on, it's like, I, got, I did struggle with different things. And I'm like, yeah, people were like, yeah, you should. So you got money out of this whole thing. I'm like, no, like, that was, that's, like, so messed up. You should have. So you got no money, nothing happened to him, and he's just still, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where he's at right now. Mm -hmm. But you know, they did say that he did have a record. There was a few other accidents that he had from drinking and certain things, but like nothing's happened to him because his family's always backed him up. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of like he just got Talk away about with privilege. It. Right. Right. So he's never had to necessarily take responsibility for his actions. Or what he, you know, if I really like sit and think about it, it makes me angry at times, but not really. Like I don't really, I don't, I don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, okay, well, is that the person that hit me? Like sometimes I would question, you know. But I'm just like, have you forgiven him? Just, would you say yeah. Oh yeah, him? I have. Oh yeah, I've definitely forgiven him. 
Because like I said, I know like situations and accidents do happen. But that's, this is a major one. But I just had to just give it to God and just, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, so there's, there's no, um, there's no reason to like hold on to it. I just have to let it go. Your attitude is so refreshing. <laughs> and honestly, it's amazing. I know people who have had people do much or things that were not even nearly as bad as what this man did to you and mm -hmm. have held those grudges for years and years and years. So the fact that you were able to forgive him is really special. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah, it is. And I think that because of that, because of the situation, like I'm able to forgive a lot. And would you say that like being able to do that makes your life better? Oh yeah. It's happier. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Cause I don't hold on to anything. Yeah. Like any grudges. I'm just like, okay, what's the problem? How can we fix it? Yeah. Like they say like <laughs> not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die because like oh, you're the person hanging on to the anger. Right. It's not really hurting them. It's only it's hurting, hurting you. you. Yeah. But letting go sometimes it's like, or at least my mind is like, uh, if I forgive this person, then I'm weak or like I should stand up for myself or like I can't how can I let them get away with it? like I don't want them to know that like it's okay I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying what they did was okay you know and your mind just like fights you yes right right and that's and that's um yeah that's hard and I you know I'm, I'm not gonna say like and I was like that I wasn't just how I am now like in the beginning because I had to go through a lot of therapy like I was always happy but then I did maybe feel like that at times, but not really, because I just didn't, really didn't even know what was going on. So I think because I don't, I wasn't really recalling things and remembering everything. Like I couldn't remember things day to day. So I just like I just forgot about it. Like okay, brand new day, like whatever, you know. Like fifty first dates. Have you seen that? Yes, one? yes, <laughs> yes. I see that. That's exactly yes. Oh my gosh, when I seen that, I'm like, I actually saw that at Casa Colina. I remember they had that. That was one of the movies they showed. And one of the guys that was there is like, oh my gosh, you gotta watch this movie. He's like, I think this is totally you. <laughs> you wake up every day like, yeah, like hey, like you just, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that is like me. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I forgot about that movie. But yes, I did see it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was just saying I forgot. Um, your memory. <laughs> yes, my memory. <laughs> What was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, what was I talking about? Memory. There we go. Yeah, so I think that it has improved tremendously. Oh my gosh, before I couldn't remember things day to day. Once in a while now, it's so funny. I wake up this morning, I'm like, okay, I gotta go to church. And my mom's like, Danielle, it's Saturday. It's not Sunday. <laughs> so I'm like, I gotta teach. And I thought, she's like, hold on. Like, I did that this week and I did that last weekend too. Like, I got, I literally got dressed to go to church. And she's like, yeah, the tax is here. Cause I have a taxi pick me up to go to church too, and I'm like, I get out there, and my mom's like, Danielle, it's not church today. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to run back in and change my gym clothes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, I still. I mean, I I've, I've done things like that, and I've never been in an accident, so I don't even have an excuse. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, so that's where I like I feel like okay, maybe it's not just from the accident. Like I just had a long 
week or or what, whatever the situation may be. I guess you can't speak for everyone, but just having gone through trauma, like what do you want people to know about going through trauma? Like what do you want people to know about you? Mm. That it takes time, but you can get over it. Mm. Not to say that you can't get over it, but it does take time and healing, but don't give up. Don't just become lazy. Mm. <laughs> like the doctor says, you need to had told me personally, like you need to use your brain every day because if you don't, then you're gonna lose it. Just like going to school, like that is so good for you and playing games, that is so good for your mind and being interactive, talking with people and just living your life because you almost lost your life and God saved your life for something. There's a purpose and a reason for your life, purpose and a reason for everybody's life. I think that you just have to go through things to finally realize, like, yeah, there is a purpose for me. That's mm. you know? so true. Like, when you're in a difficult situation, no matter what that situation is, you don't know why most of the time. But most of the difficult things I've been through, I don't look back and regret them. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, right. there might be pain or sadness associated with the memory, but I'm like, wow. Like that thing really made me more patient. It made me more kind and all of those things shaped us. Like it's hard for right. us to say, you know, let's love ourselves in this moment as we are, but then also reject our past. Like part of loving your now is like accepting your past too. Yes, you know, that's right. That's so right. Yeah, see, sometimes it's hard for me to put all that together like that. No, you speak so well. Like, no, no I, I, I don't speak as well. But, I'm saying, but I think you communicate but, well. Um, I think you are such a bright spirit. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that, you know, for people listening, that if anything, the thing that they can take away is learning how to find gratitude, even when yes. your life doesn't work mm -hmm. out the way you want it to. Um, whether you've been in a terrible accident or going through a difficult divorce or you're just not making the money you thought you were going to make or if you've lost a child, like terrible things happen, but it's possible yeah. to find gratitude. Right. Yes, that is so true. And it wasn't maybe your timing. Yeah. It's all in God's timing. But yes, of course, it's all hard to like go through it and you're like, Why? me was there ever a time that you felt like god is not good personally i don't i really don't think so wow i really don't think so ever like you know yes when i had i did have my accident like i never was angry with him i just i just went with it and just dealt with it. You are a special person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I still continue going to church. I still, I was, like, when I got home from the rehab and everything, like, I went to church since I was a little girl. We always went to church. And I wasn't ever like, oh, I don't want to go. Like, I'm so mad at God for all the stuff that has happened to me. No, I never was like that, ever. I always went to church because I was, like, my therapy. I never even did therapy for my accident. Like, my therapy was going to church because it was so real mm. and true to me. And I always knew God has me over something all the time. And not to say everybody at the church knew I even went through the accident, but I still went mm. and felt like God was with me so much at so many different incidents, 
incidences even after my accident. Like he's just always right. He's got my back. And you know, and I'm sure it's not. I'm not. I'm sure I'm, he has that with everybody. It's just people have to realize. Well, your belief is inspiring yeah. in all that you've gone through. I think it's so inspiring, and I hope that it inspires other people. I hope that you continue to share your story. I know we were talking, and I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to get you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. I just want everybody to hear, oh. you know, just your experience and your heart and just your the incredible ways in which you've been able to keep your faith, um, even in really literally life-threatening situations. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you all have an incredible day. Until next time.